all ninjas, calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. Well, you know, the problem is that we've become a reductionist society in the medical profession. It's like we reduce it down to, oh, well, you're a thyroid problem. Oh, you're a GI problem. Oh, you're a Lyme's problem. This podcast is sponsored by the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 209 with chiropractor Stephen Lewis. Also welcome our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, and in this episode, you will learn why you are more than the sum of your parts, why collaboration amongst your health professionals is vital, and the importance of connecting with your healthcare providers. Thank you, Aurora, and be sure you listen to the end of the podcast for the Lime Ninja Fact of the Day. It's a good one. As you all know, Lyme disease is an international problem, and each week we have listeners join us from all over the world. This past week, we've had listeners from Canada to the Czech Republic and from Ireland to Japan. Also, a big, big thank you to all you Lyme ninjas out there. Aurora and I really appreciate you listening. We know that there are about a thousand of you, a little bit more, that tune in every week to listen to Lyme Ninja Radio, and we really, really appreciate it. And we'd like to welcome all the new listeners out there. Welcome to Lime Ninja Radio. We are glad you tuned in. And speaking of tuning in, this week's top 10 tune-in cities are... Number 10, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And just a moment of thought for the horrible massacre there. Yeah. Sorry to bring up such a downer thing, but that was just such a miserable thing. I had a patient who moved there uh, a couple years ago and sent an email to him and thank god he was all right he was also jewish so i was really worried about him it's just anyway just miserable well thinking about you pittsburgh all right number nine amsterdam in not amsterdam new york which is right up the street amsterdam in the netherlands number eight is youngston ohio youngstown youngstown Number seven, St. Louis, Missouri. Number six, San Diego, California. Number five, Hendersonville, Tennessee. Number four, Salvador in Brazil. That's so cool. A little samba. 
Number three, Crofton, Canada. Number two, Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Number one, Seattle, Washington. Keeping it real, Seattle. They always do out there. Yes. The home of the grunge. <laughs> we do have big news, though. We do have a lot of things in store. The new year is fast approaching, and we are going to make some changes. But before we make the changes, we're going to take a little time to recharge. That means... We're taking December off. We're taking basically taking December off. We will come out with the best of podcasts, so don't worry. There be podcasts you probably haven't listened to. We'll go way back into the archives and get some really good ones and bring them forward. But just want you to let you know. And Aurora's just going to be kind of kicking it here in central New York. And I'm going with my wife and going to meet up with my daughter in Korea. And we're going to spend some time on the beach in Thailand. Mm-mm-mm. You had your chance to come. I did have my chance to come. You have no one to blame no, but yourself. I'm not feeling guilty. I'm taking care of the animals. Somebody's got to. Holding down the fort. Shoveling the snow. Exactly. While I shovel stand. <laughs> anyway, it's important to recharge. It really is. And those of you who've been ill for so long, really, that's your major job. Even though it seems like you're getting nothing done, that's what your body's doing. It's resting and using all its energy to heal. So honor that. It's important. Okay. The other thing that's going to be happening is we're going to be rolling out the Lyme Ninja Tick-Borne Disease School. And just keep your ears open for more information about that. It's going to be, we've got 200 plus episodes and we need to organize them. And this will allow us to do that. In a coherent way. So say if you wanted to listen to genetic nutrition, you won't have to just guess and poke around and then just get, right? Yep. yep. Distracted or discouraged. We'll lay it out there for you. Way back in the day, we compared what we were doing to kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall. So maybe this time we can, you you compared it to throwing spaghetti at the wall. Either way, it'll be better. The meatballs will bounce back. (laughs) Rubber meatballs. My goodness, it is late. Let's crank along here. Okay, enough about us. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about this week's guest, Dr. Stephen Lewis. Dr. Stephen Lewis is a chiropractor, and his wife, Janet, is a certified natural health consultant. Together, they run Green Wisdom Health in Longview, Texas, where they provide nutrition service, lab services, and chiropractic. They founded Green Wisdom Health, quote, after seeing a growing public need to offer blood work to determine the most appropriate nutritional products that are only available through a doctor's office, end quote. Green Wisdom has been featured on four major news channels as well as the Boston Globe, and Stephen and Janet also produce their own podcast named after their center, Green Wisdom Health. Thanks, Aurora. And here's our interview with Dr. Stephen Lewis. Hello, Dr. Lewis. This is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Hey, it's good to be here. Yes, indeed. Now, tell me, you're a chiropractor. Is that correct? Yes. yes. What inspired you to go study chiropractic? Well, you know, when I was a kid, uh, we had a chiropractor that would uh, take care of almost everything, you know, whether it's the adjustment, but he did a lot of nutrition. 
And he, I saw him even when I was a kid, he would take medical failures and fix most of them. And then, you know, when he told us, you know, my mom and dad said, well, take them to the MD, we'd go to the MD. I've always thought there was room for every type of discipline. And, you know, I, I don't have the personality to work in the ER and see the blood and guts. I'd be crying with them, but I just love chiropractic. It's, Nerve supply and nutrition and the body's smart enough to heal itself. It just needs something to work with and remove the interference. And then what how did Lyme get your attention? What what brought you into the Lyme world? Well, uh, my wife, uh, Janet, <laughs> people people think I'm successful because you know, I, I do this and, and talk to people all over the United States and some foreign countries. And they they try to give me credit. I said, well, behind every successful man is an equally brilliant but tired woman. That would be Janet. So she created this to where I got on podcasts and all of a sudden it took off. So now I'm treating people all over the place. And people that are looking, they've lost their hope. That They're looking for an answer. There, there's a lot of frustration in all kinds of places, but Lyme's disease is certainly one of the major ones. And so Lyme's disease patients have uh, contacted me and uh, for the most part got some really good results. Now, you've got an accent. I'm sure somebody's told you that before. <laughs> so, what what part of the yep. world what part of the world are you in? Or where you're from? What part of t- what part of Texas do I live in? <laughs> is that is that a Texas uh, accent? I can't tell. Yeah, north northeast Texas. We're actually closer to Shreveport, Louisiana, than we are Dallas. But uh, yeah, I've got that long Texas draw. When I hear myself uh, when they're playing back these podcasts, it's like, Good Lord, you sound like a dumb country hick. And Janice says, No, you're a very smart country hick. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, Texas all the way. <laughs> now. What, what do the local docs say about Lyme disease down there? Um, I think Lyme disease is not very well understood. Most of the ones down here, they'll give you a few doses of antibiotics, and sometimes it helps and sometimes it doesn't. But uh, I, I don't think they know anymore, but I think there's a lot of misconception uh, about what it is and about how bad these people are suffering. I, I, I think for, a, I hate to say this, but I'm going to anyway. I, I think a lot of doctors just ignore you because they don't know what to do. Therefore, they just ignore the people. Uh, there's not a lot being said around here. You know, we pass them back and forth all the time. I'm just curious because at this point, we know it's in all 50 states and all over the world. And yeah. Some communities are a little bit more, the the physicians have kind of seen the light a little bit, right? So they acknowledge it. I mean, we still get things up here in central New York, and we're not that far from where it all started, where people say, no, we don't have Lyme disease around here. And you go across the street to the vet, and the vet's treating you know dozens of cases every week. And it just makes your head spin around. Yeah, I, I, I don't know I- I think vets are probably some of the smartest doctors because they don't have to, or they don't can't ask the patient questions. So they're <laughs> better at, at being observant of what's mm-hmm. going on. So yeah, I think it's a rampant thing 
down here. More and more, I've seen more and more of it. Now, you talk about having some success with it, and what's what's your take on Lyme and it's the co-infections and what's going on with these patients who just can't shake it? Well, you know, the problem is that we've become a reductionist society in the medical profession. It's like we reduce it down to, oh, well, you're a thyroid problem. Oh, you're a GI problem. Oh, you're a Lyme's problem. You know, one of the reasons Lyme's disease sufferers don't get well is because very few people are addressing their uh, immune system, which is 60 to 80 percent in your GI tract. So, you know, you've got to think, well, what are your digestive enzymes? Oh, well, what other kind of enzymes could I add to allow your body to reduce the inflammation? How can we boost your immune system? And I think we don't look at the body holistically, even though that word is bandied about a lot, holistic. There's not many people that really look that deeply into, you know, this may cause this and the answer may be seven or eight steps away from the symptoms so you kind of have to really look at the body as a whole person not just physical but spiritual and mental and, and what kind of other stresses that these people are dealing with because they really need a hand you know to pull them up and help them out that's so true i'm sure in your practice you see people who've been to and spoken with dozens literally dozens of practitioners and have gotten responses everywhere from sympathetic but i can't help you to uh, you're crazy and you know please see somebody else <laughs> i've heard that a lot <laughs> like, well maybe it's the doctor having a bad day don't take it personally but uh, yeah i think we should be sympathetic and i think uh, you know if you can first of all give them hope you know, not spiritually, uh, mentally, hope for the future, then that actually can bolster and uh, help the immune system because you have uh, created it mentally. And I tell people there's massive amount of books that will talk about how the positive mental attitude can actually create better physiology. I tell people, from a scientific viewpoint, read the biology of belief and how you can actually create better outcomes by thinking. And therefore, it's the doctor's job to recognize, oh, this person needs, uh, number one, to be recognized, number two, to be validated as a human being, number three, to make sure they're cared for, and number four, for God's sake, don't reject these people. They need help, so figure it out. Um, so I put most of the responsibility on the doctor to be sympathetic. One of my teachers used to say, I've never seen a thyroid walk in not attached to a human being. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love that. <laughs> one, one of the themes, so I've done 200 some of these interviews and many with practitioners like you, uh, many with people who've had crime, chronic Lyme disease and are battling through it. And then there's a subset who've kind of turned the corner with Lyme disease. And um, I want to say they're, they're winning. They not necessarily have won, but they're winning. And in almost inevitably, there is this moment that you're talking about where they grab 
the bull by the horn, since we're talking about Texas down here, you know, they, they really <laughs> just take, con- take control of their own, uh, cause the, their own agency of, and stop really looking out there for somebody else to, to lead them. And, and it happens in different ways, but it, it, it's, it's spiritual. It's not necessarily a, a religious experience, but it, it is at that level where all of a sudden they, they start to breathe again and, and things begin to change and uh, n- new possibilities open up them. The right practitioner comes in front of them. It's like everything begins to change. And you, you mentioned that, you know, it's the practitioner's duty to do this. And I think, I I mean, I'm with you on this, but you know, the way modern medicine is practiced, I don't think a, they have the toolkit to do it. They may have the desire to, but and then they just don't have the time. So, you know, where, where, I mean, some, some doctors do from time to time, you run across somebody who's, you know, just, they put their calendar aside, they make everybody wait in the waiting room and everybody's yelling at them, including (laughs) their boss. You know, you're not doing things fast enough, but that, that takes a lot. Most of the time, you know, people are in and they're, you know, they got their seven to 15 minutes. How do you counteract that? Well, I've, I've structured my practice where I do most of it over the phone and email, so it, it's easier with emails. But uh, and I do have plenty of local people. But yeah, I, I think you know when they they get the bull by the horn, so to speak, and I think that's when something sparks a level of hope. And once you have hope, you make a mental or spiritual shift from. I am this disease, and and you're thinking about the symptoms and how bad you feel, and then all of a sudden you start looking at what's right and what's better and what's brighter. Patients that look at their disease don't get well like patients that look at the solution and what it would look like once they're well. It's all about if you can have that um, vision of what health is, you get much faster results than people that look at the fatigue and uh, look at the depression that comes with it, that all the fever and the poor memory and the joint pain. If you look at what life could be without that, then your body sets forth to create it. And I'm not talking about it's just spiritual or mental because I do a lot of the nutritional stuff, but You've got to have that hope. You've got to have that vision. I think that's when they make that turnaround is when they, for whatever reason, are pointed toward the answer rather than what the problem is. You know, I'm having a flashback when I was very, very young. My parents got me a Burl Ives album, and on one of the songs is the line, Watch the donut, not the hole. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, Burl Ives now, that's an oldie and a goodie. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> t- telling you a little bit how, what my age is, <laughs> but you recognize <laughs> it. So I, I think we're on the same page. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> oh, even I know who he is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, so when when you start consulting with with somebody, do do you see patterns with patients with Lyme, or is really is it so unique that you can't even begin to do that? Uh, you know, I would like to put them in a compartment, but it's not always possible. But you know, I think one of the missing pieces when you uh, you see people with Lyme's disease, and they will have the 
the co-infections. Well, why is your immune system not strong enough to fight it off? So I think, well, what could we do to help the body fight its own fight? So, yeah, you know, usually they're depressed and uh, sick and tired of not being heard. And that's why I said earlier, so, well, number one, they don't, they don't want to be rejected. They want to be validated as a human being. They want to be uh, listened to. They want to make sure the doctor understands. And I was taught in chiropractic school is when they said, when do you stop an examination? <laughs> you, the doctor should stop the examination when the patient is convinced the doctor knows. It's not about doctor's knowledge as much as it is patient confidence. You've got to have a good relationship with these people that uh, have lost their hope. So a patient calls you, emails you, gets started with you. You start diagnosing them. You start working with them. You've talked some about digestion. You've talked some about nutrition. Where where do you point people to? Do you try to help create a team around them? What's, what's your overall approach? Well, I, you know, I always tell them, uh, go to you know the medical profession. You know They can do the medical things. Even though I'm a chiropractor and I do the natural stuff, I think there's room for both. I've, I've never had that sense of jealousy. This is better than that. You need both, personally. But uh, what I do is I try to get lab work. And unfortunately, because doctors have so many handcuffs and restraints in the way they can practice, they don't usually do enough lab. You know, they can do it to diagnose lines, but are you doing the different things that will show us what the immune system's doing, what the digestion's doing? Are you doing vitamin D? That's a simple one. Uh, very few doctors do that. And, and in Lyme's disease is so important. And I said this on one of our podcasts the other day. There's some really good research that says if a person does a thousand IUs of vitamin D a day, it's got to be the good vitamin D, and not all supplements are, but a thousand reduces the rate of colds and flu 70%. And 2,000 IUs reduces the rate of flu by almost 100%. But why don't they tell you that vitamin D will boost your immune system that much? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a young lady that has... Lines slash Rocky Mountain spotted thing. I mean, who knows? Nobody can ever, con- I don't think, completely diagnose it. And she buys a lot of stuff. We ship it to Kansas. And uh, she told me, she said, you know, aside from the limes and think then giving me credit for saving her life, I said, I didn't do it. Your body did it. But she said, this is the first time in my life I've not been depressed, even before the Lyme's disease. I said, well, we've got your body working really, really well. You're not supposed to be depressed. Depression's not normal. And so a disease is adaptive physiology. And if you have good physiology, good immune system, your body can fight off a lot of these things that you're exposed to, or at least fight it off more quickly and easily. So that's the stories I hear is like, well, not only do I feel better with lives, uh, oh, I'm not depressed anymore. Well, great. I'm glad to hear that the world's a better place to live because she's a sweet young lady. And now she can go out and be bright and bubbly and, you know, spread her joy to everybody she's around. 
that's that's kind of what pushes me is you know what good it's going to do for their family and friends and the world in general. That is the bottom line, isn't it? There are too many people just handcuffed to their wheelchairs or to their beds uh, because they've they're not being treated properly, and people aren't yeah. getting down to it. Now, when when you're looking at labs, which labs do you like to look at? Yeah, I mentioned vitamin D. Yeah, when I run a lab, uh, for example, we have something on our website called Comprehensive, and it's the usual CBC, complete blood count, and CMP, complete metabolic panel. We do those, but then I don't just do one part of thyroid. I do five. Then I check cortisol to see how your body's handling the stress, you know, too high or too low is a problem. Uh, I do the hemoglobin A1C, so that's a 90 to 120-day blood sugar uh, average because any kind of stress, including limes, can make your blood sugar go crazy. I do uh, high-sensitivity CRP, which according to the Cleveland Clinic is like four times better indicator of future heart attack and stroke than your cholesterol numbers. So I always do that, and that's a... Although it's a more specific marker of inflammation for cardiovascular system, that still would reflect back in chronic cases of infection, Lyme's, or anything else. Uh, I do ferritin, stored iron, uh, vitamin D, urinalysis, uh, and then I, I try to get people to add their hormones on. And I do the lab very, very, very inexpensively. Um, I've even had MDs come to me and order lab for themselves. And I said, you're an MD. Why don't you order your own lab? They said, well, you sell it cheaper than I can get it on myself. And I, I do. But, you know, I have a big volume, so the company's giving me a really good price. That's awesome. And the other thing is that the doctor has to justify, you know, through the diagnosis taken, they're not in control anymore. They all work for hospitals, so they don't have the freedom to, to to go with their intuition. They have to do what the science says, and the science says you do this test and this test, and if you want to go beyond that, then we have to have a nice uh, sit-down with the insurance company and, and exchange a few hundred emails. Yeah, that's depressing in itself, and uh, yeah, you have, seem to have a good understanding of that, and I I know a lot of MDs that say I'd never tell my child to, to go be any kind of doctor because it's not fun like it used to be. When I started practicing, it was fun. You showed up, loved your patients, got a good adjustment, you know, good vitamins. You made a decent amount of money, but that's not where it was at. And then you spend later, you spend three times more time doing paperwork and justification of why you do it to the insurance company. Three times more time on the insurance rather than treating the patient. I told my wife, I said, I quit. I'm tired of this. I said, I can help more people and not have those uh, handcuffs. Uh, but MDs are frustrated. They're really good people. MDs and DOs and naturopaths and nurse practitioners and physicians assistants. I've never met one who didn't have good intentions, but they do work in a system that's getting worse, but... I, I did a podcast today from a, a man in uh, Canada, and he says, you know, in my particular province or state, he says, we have three MRI machines. He says, the state of Maine has 600. He says, if I need a good general practitioner, 
it will take me a three to four year waiting list to get a good general practitioner. He says, this free health care is killing people like crazy. And I said, I understand that America doesn't want uh, socialized medicine, but people think free is better. And it's like, yeah, go talk to the Canadians up there. They're, they're dying because of them flooding down into American paying you know, for care. The system's broken, not the money. There's there's not enough money to make the system that we have right now work. So if we switch to single payer, who knows if that'll happen or not. But it's not going to solve anything. Uh, it it uh, It's just going to buy a couple more years, and then we'll get into rationing just like every other single payer country has. Mm-hmm. That, and that's one of the advantages of right. talking to you – know, I've interviewed people from Sweden and Australia and, and Germany and England and places in Canada – uh, places that do have nationalized health care. And on one hand, they don't right. never have to worry about the bill. But on the other hand, it's not like they've got magic access to everything that uh, you know they think is, they're going to need. They have to lobby and fight and scratch. And once the government says no, once the system says no, it's it's no. Uh, so in some ways, yeah. it's it's no better. Uh, and, and anyway, there, there, it isn't, there isn't a magic bullet really, you kind of back to our earlier conversation is it, and I'm speaking to people listening, it's, it's in your hands, you know, you're the one who's got to, we're going to use the bull by the horns again, use that cliche, but you've got to take the bull by the horns, you know, and if, if you do have a, a doctor who's a partner with you or you're, you're found somebody like that, you know, you're, you are blessed and hang on to them and work with them. But if you don't, don't stop there. It's like, there, there are other things you can do like Dr. Lewis here, there are systems outside. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of what I do because the people realize or the people that come see me and people like me, they, uh, they realize, Hey, I'm responsible for the outcome. You know, I have to take responsibility to make the move. And those people get better results, not just because they're seeing unorthodox doctors, uh, but because they've already taken control. And that alone gives them the power back to make the right decisions. There is so much truth to that. There's something... In, in Chinese medicine, so I'm an acupuncturist, in Chinese medicine, they talk about spirits, plural. So not your soul, but spirit. And one aspect of uh-huh. these spirits is when you're looking at a glass, is it half empty and half full? So the Chinese actually thought of that as a, a, almost a substance within the body. It's like there's a function there that recognizes that glass half empty or half full. It's not just your personality. Like they, they assume like you, the patient you're talking before who, who uh, got some healing and isn't depressed anymore. It's like when you're healthy, that glass looks half full. It's just, it's, it's human nature. It's often a sign of disease. You look at that glass and it's half empty. It's another symptom. And I think that's, you know, that's what you're really cluing into here. And that's what you're, what you're highlighting. All right. So back to, I want to kind of go back, you know, and, and travel a little bit more through your system. So somebody's called you, you've talked to them, you know, we've kind of got them back in control. You've sent them to get some tests somewhere. Um, You're talking about nutrition. Now, do you bring any herbal treatments like Cowden protocol or Buner type stuff to help deal with the bugs themselves? Or you focus mostly on 
big picture nutrition just to support the body in general? No, I I do get specific too. There's so many different things. Uh, You know, some of them are antioxidants like astaxanthin, which will neutralize the toxins, so to speak, decrease joint pain. But we use a lot of things for killing the bugs, so to speak, like grapefruit, seed extract, cilantro. Uh, Use some uh, wormwood or or, uh, artemisia. I use a lot of resveratrol because it helps detoxify and helps, uh, for the most part, really boost your immune system. I use a lot of curcumin turmeric, and every company says theirs is the best. And I had this discussion with a, a different company, and I said, great, prove it's the best. And so she sent me you know, a lot of uh, research. Um, I use a lot of olive leaf. I use black walnut. I use colloidal silver, although I like to save that for the last resort. How come? To the best. Well, to the best of my knowledge, and again, we're all learning. Uh, I think it not only kills some of the bad stuff, but it also kills the probiotics too. Mm-hmm. And I, I may be wrong there, but that's kind of been what it looks like in my practice. I'm not against it. I have it here, you know, the stronger stuff. But, uh, you know, yeah, I get specific. I do a lot of uh, berberine, uh, uh, but olive leaf is really, really good. Uh, then we use a lot of something called loracetin. Are you familiar with loracetin? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that has been a godsend. Um. You know, for those that don't know about lauric seed, there's lauric acid, and that's why old grandma's chicken soup worked because there's more lauric acid in the chickens back then because they were free range. Well, there's a guy that discovered that there's high amounts of lauric acid in coconut oil, so he concentrated it. You can't make claims about it, but there are some other websites that say it is so strong it will kill the MRSA. And it will kill the HIV virus. And I don't know that that's true, but there's some people claiming that. I've had an incredible amount of success with that. So, yeah, we, we hit it specifically, but I hit it also, you know, antioxidants and, you know, support the heart, support the brain, support the joints. And, you know, most of the immune systems, GI. So you've got to fix the GI. We do a lot of immunoglobulins, which works real, real well. Do you ever find that people have parasites? Is that something yeah. you run uh, into? Yeah, Talk about the gut. We can't di- yeah, we can't diagnose it, of course. But if your eosinophils and basophils, your types of white blood cells go up, you know, it's either a food allergy, poor digestion, environmental toxins, or parasites. Now, parasites can be. Just yeast uh, and, and the ratios of neutrophils and lymphocytes. But I've had people that passed worms, and they go to their doctor, and the doctor, one of them in particular, she came back and said, well, he's mad at you. I said, why is that? Well, because you and Janet said I had worms. And she said, I passed worms 10 or 12 inches long. And by the time he tested me, I didn't have any anymore. I said, well, <laughs> he got his medical degree down the Caribbean where there was a lot of worms. And we have worms here in America, too. So y'all need to get over the fact that our dogs and cats have them, but we're too clean for it because 
you'd be surprised the people that come out of Dallas to come all the way to Longview to let me put them on something and then they start passing worms because they're eating sushi and sooner or later you're going to get a worm cyst uh, if you're eating raw fish and sooner or later you're going to get them. If you have good digestive enzymes it will digest them and kill them. If you don't have good digestive enzymes they just come to life. So yeah, I, I see them quite a bit actually. And speaking about digestive juices, it's just, you know, it's one of those things. And now everybody's taking a purple pill because they got a little bit of a heartburn. And that just starts a downward spiral of not being able to digest anything. Right. And then you end up getting pneumonia and all that other stuff because you don't have any stomach acid. Yeah, and they're putting the little babies on it because they throw up. It's like, well, oh, you're kidding me. Oh, no, I see that all the time. Oh, you're setting your baby up for all kinds of diseases. Quit it. Feed them breast milk, not soy-based formula. And, uh, you know, usually probiotics and sometimes an adjustment will help. I'm not really super familiar with acupuncture. I've got a couple here in Longview that do an incredible job. I send people to them. But, uh, yeah, I I'm not a big fan of the purple pill for a lot of reasons, but uh, usually it's not enough acid. And it's a, uh, at least a sensitivity, if not an allergy, to the wheat, uh, the grains, or the glyphosate or Roundup that's in the grains. So, you know, don't suppress the symptom. Go to the cause. And digestive enzymes and probiotics will fix it 90-something percent of the time. Just saw a story out uh today past couple of days about uh eating organic you'll 20 20 25 percent less chance of getting cancer and that's just obviously taking out pesticides and most likely glyphosate right there so you know that that's yeah. the whole other thing that you know that we're dealing with that's and they keep they keep finding new and inventive ways to use it so there's you know, even compared to ten years ago, right? There's more of it in the system than there was, and it's just, just awful. Yeah, and you know, I tell people, I said, you may not have a gluten intolerance; it may be glyphosate, and it's like, and then now they're saying, well, it may be that, but we have like four to forty times more gluten in our grains than we did even back in the seventies mm-hmm. because of the way we fertilize. And people say, well, ah, you. You've eaten wheat for 10,000 years. Yeah, but it's not the wheat we're eating now. That's right. And I've been to China and I've been to Europe, and it's like, yes, Americans, we really are the sickest and most obese nation. It's like, you know, look at what we're being fed. And it's like, our food is illegal in many other countries. You know, it's such a sad state. And even if, you know, when I first got started, you know, 20 some years ago, you could kind of say, well, you know, eat what your grandparents ate or eat what your great grandparents ate. But as I've learned more and more is the gallon of milk in the store isn't the gallon of milk that they had on their front doorstep. And the loaf of bread isn't the loaf of bread that they had coming out of their oven. You know, And peanut butter is not, I mean, you just go down the list. The, the foods have the same names and Maybe, maybe the same taste, maybe, maybe not, but they're not the same. They're just not the same. It's not the same animal. Even like a chicken. You know, I mean, I've, we've raised, we live on a little farm here. We've raised chickens, right? And you, you get the, breed, the broiler breed, and those poor things can barely walk. They don't look like a chicken. You know, they're not, the, you, we got this picture of uh, chickens running around the, the, 
the barnyard. And that's that's what a chicken used to look like. But these broilers that they yeah. sell is is some mutant alien thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a friend that's a chicken farmer. I said, do you eat your chicken? He said, oh, no. You wouldn't eat it if you knew it. Uh, he said, I'll, um, I'll eat the ones out in the backyard, but you're you're right. And it's like, even in organic, which I try to get people to eat as much organic, uh, the nutrient content can vary like 16,000% from yeah, one exactly. part per million to maybe 16,000 parts per million of the various different minerals. So even organic is a big improvement, but... Uh, most of the big cancer researchers say that uh, most cancer is not your genes, that 90 to 95% of all cancer can be altered and alter genetic expression by changing your diet and your, the toxins in your environment. So we do have a lot of control. We can you know, be healthier and happier and, and feel vibrant again so that we can go out and make somebody else's life a lot better. So, yeah, it's just throw it in, throw in the right substances and your body knows what to do with it the miracles just uh, humble me every day and i don't take credit for it i just tell them well you did the work i was just your coach and uh we we get some good results i'm glad there's more people like you that uh are are doing this because jen and i went to china one time for about 10 days and uh God, those Chinese are brilliant. They've been in there 5,000 years. They're bound to have some kind of knowledge. So I think we should submit and listen to them. And we we practice a little bit of that with their different herbs, you know, the wet, the herbs that'll make you wetter, the herbs that'll make you dry, the heaters and the ones that cool. And they've got a good, really good system going there. Yeah, they've been working on it a few years. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was great going through Beijing Teaching Hospital, uh, traditional Chinese medicine. That was pretty interesting to go through there and watch them. Yeah, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? Oh, really? Very much so. Dr. Lewis, you've been very generous with your time. I appreciate it very much. Why don't you let folks know how they get in touch with you on the web or phone or however you like to do that? And then I've got one last question for you. Uh, well, people that are interested in finding out what I do, it's greenwisdomhealth.com. And, you know, if you want to talk to me, just fill out a health survey. It's a pretty brief survey. Uh, if you want lab, we'll tell you, you know, I'll talk to you and tell you what you might benefit from the most and, you know, how to get started. And I really do it on a pretty low cost basis just because I would rather people spend their money on the good supplements that can help the body. I I decided a long time ago, just, you know, chase helping people and everything else takes care of itself. So just green wisdom health and com, And, you know, we'll go from there. Brilliant. Thanks so much for sharing that. And my last question, if you could condense, and I know you can't, but let's just pretend you could three recommendations for people listening, what would they be? Uh, well, nutritionally, I, I'd say get lab work and you know see where we need to go. But I also think we should uh, instill more of our positive attitude or joy, uh, you know, have a reason to live and have a reason to get well because it's going to bless everybody around you. So, 
uh, you know, chin up, chest out, give them heck. And, you know, I, I think the, if you want something out of life, you need to give it so it comes back. Um, so if the person is depressed, they need to go out and, you know, spread joy. And I just tell people, you know, you know, may God give you joy in your eyes, love in your heart, laughter upon your lips. And once you get those, health and healing comes back. Dr. Lewis, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Thank you. This was a really interesting episode. And you know, I can't help but be a little bit jealous of him in his center. And How come? Because he gets to run his own lab work. Oh, yes. We can't do that here in New York State. And our, pa- our patients can't even do it. It's no. very, very restrictive. It's it's really quite unfortunate. Yeah. Hopefully one day New York State will loosen up and allow patients to access their own information. After all, you're smart enough to understand. There's no reason you yep. need a doctor to read a few numbers. Yep. It's not the 1950s. Yep. So it's a pretty. Come on, New York, get with the <laughs> get with the 21st century here. Uh, but that just goes to so show what an amazing service Dr. Lewis can provide. Yes, indeed, it does help to ground some of your decisions in actual data. We love data, and then shorten the feedback loop mm-hmm. so you make an informed decision based on your. Symptoms based on your healthcare practitioner's recommendation, based on results of tests, and then test. Try something. See what happens. And then... Try again. Right. Make adjustments. Exactly. And that's why the symptom tractor is such an awesome tool, because it pulls in so many data points in terms of your symptoms that you can see, well, maybe you thought it would affect this area, but really it's affecting something over there. And if you weren't looking for it and not tracking it, you won't find that data. So if you haven't yet, go to LimeNinjaRadio.com, get yourself on the symptom tracker once a month. It's good for you. And it's free. Did we mention it's free? Just like the podcast. (laughs) And if you like free podcasts... (laughs) And like what we're doing here on Lime Ninja Radio, hit the subscribe button. That way you won't miss an episode. And if you really like what we're doing, leave us a review on your podcast app. And if you really, really like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio and want more, be sure to head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com to get notified when we open the doors of our Tick-Born Illness School. Just leave your email. You'll see the form right at the top of the page. Also, if you have any feedback, any suggestions for guests, really anything, really anything. Any suggestions for where to put my feet up in Thailand? (laughs) A good restaurant? In Bangkok, maybe? (laughs) How to deal with all the sand he's going to have to be? Yes. (laughs) LimeNinjaRio.com. We're open to all suggestions. And last, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete without the Lime Ninja Fact of the day. Did you know ninjas can build a house from the roof down? Lime 
Lyme Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique, and Lyme Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and/or considered as personalized medical advice. Lyme Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lyme Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.